Hello everyone, welcome back to The Reef Talk. Now this week is going to be episode three uh, for the podcast. So I want to firstly start off with a big thank you to each and every one of you um, who has just really provided with with great feedback. You know, I was a little bit hesitant about releasing the podcast. I didn't know, you know, if people were going to like it, if it was going to be entertaining, or, you know, just wasn't sure of the direction and, uh, you know, really how um, everyone in the community would take it. So through the Instagram we have set up, um, through the reviews on iTunes, and as well the contact page on our website, uh, thereeftalk.com, so far, everything's been great. I've been getting a lot of messages, a lot of emails of people just thanking uh, me for starting the podcast and people just really happy of the direction it's going. And um, also have been people messaging me on kind of what they'd like to see happen in the future. So if any way you'd like to get in contact with me, maybe give me some you know input, criticism, um, or just where you'd like to see it go in the future, you can send me a direct uh, email. Head over to the website, www.thereeftalk.com. You're going to see a tab for contact. Fill out that form and just let me know what you're thinking. Let me know what you'd like to see in the near future because obviously I'm producing this content for you. Uh, So it's very important to me uh, what your thoughts are and kind of where you'd like to see it go. So for this week, guys, uh, we're going to be taking, I guess, this is kind of going to be probably one of the first uh, informative uh, learning Uh, episodes we're going to have. So what we're going to be covering this week are nutrient import and nutrient export. For you guys already know, this is something that, you know, no matter what level you are in reefing, whether you're new, whether you've been here for a long time, um, it doesn't matter. You always have to deal with this, um, whether it is or isn't an issue in in your tank. Obviously, if if it isn't an issue in your tank, it's probably because you're really good at nutrient import and nutrient export. So Right off the bat, you're going to really notice that maintaining a reef tank is really a a balancing act. It's a very fine balancing act, and there's very fine lines you have to run uh, for the tank to be happy, for the tank to be stable, but more importantly, for our coral and fish to thrive. And understanding nutrients and how they work in our reef tank is very important. So when I'm referring to nutrients, what I'm going to be referring to is nitrates and phosphates specifically. There's a few other um, nutrients in there in the equation, but mainly the ones we're going to be testing for, the ones that we're going to be really working with are going to be nitrates and phosphates. So for you guys know, anytime you set up a reef tank, specifically a new tank, you have what they call an ugly phase. So this ugly phase is typically when the tank bacteria are really getting situated. Um, and sometimes you may have an algae bloom. Uh, sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. Uh, but typically, understanding the fundamentals of algae and what feeds them is going to kind of get us in the right direction to ultimately be able to handle uh, nutrient import and export. So in a nutshell, the way algaes kind of come out in the reef tank and really take off, you, you really got to understand how they work. So algaes in our reef tank use uh, nitrates and phosphates, a little bit more specifically phosphates to grow. Uh, so this is what they feed on. This is what they're physically grabbing from the water column um, to allowing them to grow. Now, the second part of this equation is going to be lighting. So being photosynthetic, the algae not only needs the phosphates to eat, but it also needs light to get the energy and you know the color and everything to uh, really reproduce, really get big, and really take off in the reef tank. So you can kind of see where if you don't manage these, you run into a problem, right? Because we have a glass aquarium box 
with tons of nutrients in there, uh, tons of light. So if you're not addressing these, whether the nutrient import or nutrient export, you're going to run into a big issue down the line. You know, a lot of those reef tanks you see out, um, whether on the internet or, you know, on videos, it's really because one, they got a mature tank, but two, they really understand the importance of maintaining the proper nutrients in the tank and also knowing how to export them. One of the first things I want to cover is going to be uh, nutrient import. So the best way, and I think the easiest way to understand nutrient import is this is what you physically are inputting into the tank. So the way this is going to happen is either through fish flakes, um, uh, frozen food, amino acids, you know, anything of that sort that you're inputting into the tank, uh, that's going to be our nutrient import. Now, given there's, you know, there's fish poop, there's, you know, certain stuff like that, that also contributes to it. But the way we're going to keep it in this uh, podcast to keep it simple is this is what nutrient import is what you physically are putting into the tank. So for this, it's very important we understand how much to feed our tank and how many fish to have in the tank. Because obviously you can't, you know, feed the tank too little, but when you have a whole mess of fish, you're going to run into problems where uh, the fish aren't going to be healthy. The fish are probably going to get diseases because their immune system isn't built up. So there's a very fine line, uh, not to mention the fish poop, the fish waste that comes out of them. There's a very fine line and a very fine balance. Um, but generally speaking, and this is very, very uh broad, it's not proven uh, calculation I've come up with. But generally speaking, what I recommend is for every two gallons, you add one fish. And again, this is just my rule of thumb. It's nothing set in stone. It's nothing that's proven. Because another part of this equation is what type of fish, right? You can get a goby that are very lazy. They don't move much. They don't use a lot of energy. Um, and they don't poop a lot. But yet you can get a blue tang that literally is grazing the whole day or a yellow tang that eat a lot, they poop a lot. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of nutrients you're going to have to give the fish. And the fish is going to thus have to poop it out and export it, or sorry, poop it out. And it's going to be in the water column. So you have to understand uh, nutrient import. I think the best analogy I can come up with, and there's probably better ones out there, uh, but imagine a room. Imagine you have a room that's 10 by 10 and you bring in, let's say, uh, a chicken, right? This chicken, it's not refrigerated. Um, you'll eat some of it. Uh, you'll eventually, you know, some of it you'll either forget about or whatever the cases. But eventually what's going to happen to that chicken after a few weeks? It's going to rot, right? So imagine if we keep bringing in food, keep bringing in chicken, keep bringing in fries, keep bringing all this stuff and we're not eating everything. So what's, what do you think is going to happen to this room, you know, two months down the road? It's going to become a point where it's going to be very toxic in there just because everything that's breaking down, really it's going to come to the point where you're going to have to physically grab this chicken and export it, take it out, take it out of the room, right? So that's the best analogy I can come up with. Um, there's probably, again, better ones out there. But that's one that I really understand and that really connects with me. So knowing how much to feed your system is very important, but also not putting too many fish in the aquarium. Ideally speaking, the least fish you have in the tank, the better off you're going to be. Um, just because you're not going to have to be dealing with as much fish, uh, fish waste or giving them food and you know ultimately them not eating it, thus going to, uh, to fish waste. Now, what I recommend for people when adding fish is always add a fish that has a purpose. And you're probably saying, so what do you mean by that? 
Well, here's a perfect example. Lawnmower blennies are really good at eating algae. Gobies are really good at sifting the sand. Damsels are really good at getting parasites, or so are wrasses. So you kind of get where I'm going with this, right? If you have a fish in the reef tank, try as best you can not to get it just because it looks nice. Try to get it for it to uh, become a place in the society you're building in this reef tank. So in other words, have it do something for you, not just look good. Because uh, ultimately, I know in my reef tank I have my 45-gallon, every fish in there has a purpose except the two clownfish. Their only job is just to look pretty and go in the anemone or the torches I have, and that's really their only job. But every other fish I have in there, it's been added in because I, it has a purpose. So the fish having a purpose is going to do, do a lot better for your tank because it's also going to help you manage nutrients to a certain extent. But the next part of this equation, guys, is going to be how much you feed your fish on a daily basis. So me personally, um, I feed my fish every other day. I don't feed them every day. You know, I've heard other reefers kind of use the same methodology. Um, I know a lot of newer people think that, oh, I didn't even know a fish can survive that. Well, a lot of them can, given there's guidelines and there's certain fish that can't, you can't do this with, like antheus, chromuses. You know, there's just certain fish that are very active and that have a very fast metabolism, which thus you do need to fit them, feed them quite often. So pay very close attention to when you add fish, how much you have to be feeding them, because that's going to be a very important factor uh, in the nutrient import. And let's say, even if you do have to feed your fish every day, that's not a problem. You know, you can certainly have a very successful reef tank feeding them every day or even multiple times a day. But you have to understand, <clears throat> from whatever schedule you have your feeding regimen, you want to ease into changing that. So if you're a person coming from feeding three times a day, you want to slowly ease off. You know, if you want to go to one time a day, slowly ease off. Don't do it all of a sudden because remember, guys, there's bacteria in these reef tanks uh, they rely on these nutrients. So you don't want to do a sudden change. And even more important, if you're coming from someone that feeds every other day, you don't want to all of a sudden start feeding every day and do big amounts at a time or feeding three times a day and do big amounts at a time because that is certainly going to lead uh, to a big algae outbreak. And at the end of the day, that's really what most of us complain about when it comes to algae. It's really just the excess nutrients in the water column um, that, that you know ultimately we have to deal with. So my general rule of thumb, whether you feed three times a day, one time a day, once every other day, is never feed more than the fish can consume in less than 15 seconds. So for an example, let's, let's say flakes. If I grab some flakes and I put them in my reef tank and my fish don't eat every single flake that I just put in within 15 seconds, in my opinion, that's overfeeding uh, for my specific setup. Um, that's just my opinion. That's just what I've learned. Um, I guess you can go as, you know, as long as maybe 30 seconds, but you don't want to put food in there, flakes particularly, because that's what we're talking about. And it just be floating, eventually get in the rock, eventually get behind a rock or in the sand, because guess what's going to happen? It'll eventually start breaking down, turn into detritus, start leaching out uh, the phosphates. Now, given we do have cleanup crew that their job is to catch, you know, this debris that falls either within the rock or within the sand, but you got to realize they can't cover every single square inch. Um, you know, we got to do our part as well. So my general rule of thumb for nutrient import slash feeding is try to not feed more than a fish can consume within about, you know, 15 to 30 seconds. 
Um, if you're doing multiple feedings, that's great. Keep the same rule. If you're doing two, two feedings a day, great. Uh, you know, don't feed more than they can consume in about 15 seconds. Now, there is variables to this, like, you know, if you're using polyp lap rephroids, that's something that the fish probably aren't really going to eat. That's something that is what they call broadcast feeding. So broadcast feeding is whatever you put a type of food or a powder or a liquid, and it's in the water column and the corals grab it. So given there's certain foods that you can't really use this rule of thumb, I'm just specifically talking about when you're feeding your fish, whether they're frozen, pellets, or flakes. The next part, and actually probably one of the most important parts, and I think where a lot of people run into the algae issues is going to be in the export. You got to realize, guys, if we're putting nutrients in the tank, we have to figure out a way to take it out, right? Because if not, remember that analogy with the room. If you bring in a piece of chicken, you only eat half of it, and the rest stays there two, three weeks, guess what? It's going to be really, really bad in there, um, making it a really dirty environment. And this is the same thing that's going to happen in the reef tank. So having a nutrient export in place is very important. Now, I'm going to go down a few of them. Given these, these aren't the uh, end-all, be-all options, there's a lot more out there. But the most easiest one out there is going to be water changes. Um, I generally believe anywhere from a, you know, 10 to 25, even 30% water change is perfectly fine. Um, to be totally honest with you, in my office tank, I actually do 50% water changes every other week. Um, I've never had an issue with the tank. It's very happy. Um, so, you know, you can go as high as 50, although you'll read a lot of people don't recommend it, but general rule of thumb, anywhere from, you know, 20 to 35% is perfectly fine. Um, and in essence, what you're going to be doing when you're taking out the water, you're also going to be taking out the nitrates and phosphates, thus lowering those levels and managing the nutrients. So this is probably going to be the easiest way for you to manage the nutrient or slash nutrient export. A few other options is going to be media. So there's certain medias out there that are very, very, very effective with this, particularly with phosphates. Because again, as I mentioned before, anytime you have an algae issue, it's more directed to nitrates than it is to phosphates. Now, I'm not saying phosphates don't play a role. They absolutely do. But generally speaking, um, it's going to be directly uh, correlated to the phosphates in the reef tank. So, one thing you guys got to understand with, with the different medias, um, specifically in GFO, is there is such a thing as running the nutrients too low. So I know a lot of you listening to it, you're like, well, wait, why don't we just run zero and we'll never have an issue? Well, the problem you're going to encounter with that is corals specifically need a little bit of phosphate in the water, not very lot. Um, it's very little. When I say very little, it's 0.03 to 0.0 nine generally in that range now given there's some people that are running higher with great success but generally speaking uh, 0.03 to 0.09 is kind of in the ballpark you're going to want to fall into to keep your uh, your corals happy um, i mean if you have a fish only system probably none of this is really going to apply to you other than the nitrates uh, just because two high levels of nitrates can affect the fish but generally speaking a fish only system you don't have to worry too much about this um, it's really when you introduce corals, which is probably why you're listening to this, is because you have a reef tank. Um, but yeah, so if you have fish, it's not nothing too big. Those numbers kind of aren't as crazy to worry about. But if you do have a reef tank and your corals aren't happy, you can almost, not always, but generally you can point it either to alkalinity, uh, lighting, flow, or phosphates is kind of what I've uh, ran into with my experience. So GFO 
is granular ferric oxide. So this is a media you can run. Um, granular ferric oxide, for a lot of you that aren't aware, it is rust. It's literally rust. That's what it is. Um, that's why whenever you have rust in a tank, um, it's nothing to worry about too much because we're, you know, generally run GFO. Obviously, if the metal's leaching out, whatever type of metal that is, that's a different story. But rust in our tank, we actually run it in the form of GFO. So for GFO, there's two common ways of running it. <clears throat> the most um, effective way is going to be with a media reactor. So in a media reactor, the in a brief summary, you put the media in there, water is forced through the media, through the reactor, thus making the water flow directly through the media, cutting down the phosphate. So whatever comes out of the reactor is now essentially a lot lower than what was going in. The second way of running GFO is going to be in a media bag. So this media bag, you want to put it in a high flow area. So if you have filter socks, I'd throw it right in the filter sock because that's where the water is going to be directly coming in. Um, or just directly from your overflow of your tank, wherever the water is coming in from the tank. Um, uh, generally put the bag there. Or just, you know, any high flow area that you see fit, either in your sump or in your all-in-one aquarium, you should be good uh, with running it. Now, there's a few different brands of GFO. Uh, BRS uh, has their own brand, which is actually really good. Roa Foz is probably the best media you can have. Um, and then you're going to have what they call uh, Chemipure. Chemipure is actually pretty good if you're running uh, any tank, you know, under 30 gallons. The way they sell their packages, it actually comes with carbon and GFO already mixed in for you. So it, it's great. Um, I actually use that in my office tank. Um, in my home tank, I use uh, Roafaz. Uh, Roafaz is probably the best GFO out there. Um, it's really effective and um, it lasts a lot longer than your standard GFO. So it's very porous. It grabs a lot of GFO um, and you get a lot more uh, bang for your buck. But those are kind of the three different uh, manufacturers of, of media out there. And I'm sure there's a few others. Uh, now, there's other forms of uh, liquid reducers for GFO. And I'm not going to get into too much detail just because those uh, they're a little bit more dangerous, and the only reason why they're more dangerous is because they're a lot more effective than GFO, and they react a lot sooner. So if you don't know what you're doing, you can literally literally strip your tank of zero phosphates within a dose. So that's kind of the only reason I'm not going to talk into those, but for you guys that are a little bit more experienced and you want to read more about that, um, it's called Phosphate E. Now, Phosphate E is very effective in a product I really like, um, but that's I actually have it on a doser. Um, but again, I don't, I don't want to make this, uh, podcast here too complicated. So just for simplicity's sake, let's keep it simple and, uh, you know, just GFO. So that's, that's it with GFO. Now the other common, uh, phosphor or nitrate or not nitrate, excuse me, but nutrient reducer for reef tanks is going to be refugiums. So in a nutshell, a refugium is a place that you, have set off either in your all-in-one think of it of a chamber any chamber whether you're all-in-one or your sump it's a chamber that you have set aside to specifically grow microalgae that's his job so generally speaking it's, it's a decent size um, area you put microalgae whether calerpa or chato you put a light um, and you grow algae here so this is a specific area where algae is going to grow in your tank so you can imagine if you're growing it in this specific area, it's probably not going to grow in your main display, right? 
So these are really good. And the two type of algaes, common algaes at least, is going to be Calerpa and Chato. Calerpa is something I would not recommend if you're newer. If you have experience and you kind of know what you're doing, Calerpa is very effective. It's, it's more effective than Chato in my testing I've done as well as the reading you do. Um, but the problem with Calerpa is it can go what they call sexual. So sexual happens if ever the nutrients get run too low by the Calerpa or by your GFO if you're running them side by side. The Calerpa's last ditch effort for survival is to start kind of, it looks like it bleaches out, start turning white, and it releases spores in the water column. So maybe saying, so why does that even matter? Well, not only is it releasing everything it captured as far as the nutrients, it's throwing them all back into the water at one time. And these little spores are going to grab onto your, they're going to go in your main display. They're going to grab onto your main rock and they're going to start growing there. And that's when it can become a really, really big issue because Calerpa grows really fast and it's really difficult to uh, get rid of it once it does reproduce in a reef tank. So that's kind of the thing to watch out for. The safest microalgae is going to be Calerpa, or sorry, uh, Chetomorpha. Chetomorpha, pretty inexpensive, pretty cheap. Looks like straw. I don't know, like straws. It looks like hair. Um, and this you can find in a lot of places. Pretty inexpensive. It reproduces pretty quick. It does grow pretty fast. It it can't turn sexual. Um, so even if you run your nutrients too low, the only thing that's going to happen, it'll eventually die on itself. It'll create like a slime coat, a black slime, um, and it'll just die out. And that that was the end of it. Um, but the way these microalgaes work, and you're probably saying, so how do they export? Well, what they do, they use the phosphate in the water and the light that's hung on top of them to grow. And anytime you come in to harvest this algae, because eventually it's going to get really big. Anytime you come in to harvest it and physically take it out, that's when you're exporting the nutrients. So they're really effective, not to mention the uh, refugiums have a plus side to grow uh, pods. So pods, again, that'll be a topic for another day, but pods are very good for our reef tanks. Corals love them, fish love them, uh, mandarin gobies love them. I mean, they're very beneficial. Um, and they already kind of live in the rock in the main display. The only problem in the main display is they have competition. They have corals that are eating them. They have fish that are eating them. They have other bacteria that are uh, targeting them. So in a refugium, they have no enemies. They have no one chasing them. They're able to reproduce, to have babies. And then uh, through your return, they're introduced back into the reef tank. So kind of these are the two main common, um, and again, there is other ones, but these are the two main common uh, versions of reducing nutrients. Another one that I quickly want to uh, touch on is going to be carbon dosing. So carbon dosing can be done in the form of vodka. Um, Red Sea makes a product called Nopox. It's also pretty effective. Uh, but just carbon dosing, it's you essentially feeding the bacteria to make more bacteria to eat the bad bacteria. I hope that didn't, that didn't mess you guys up. But the only thing I've, I've personally noticed with carbon dosing, it's really bad at phosphates. It's, it's beyond good at, at nitrates, but phosphates, it's just not as good. And as I mentioned before, anytime you have a nutrient issue, specifically algae, it's more triggered through the phosphates than it is through the nitrates. Now, again, that's not saying the phosphates have zero or nitrates have zero to do with it. It's just saying that's where algae uh, really grabs its main nutrient source going to be through the phosphate. So if you're not targeting the phosphate, you can see where that can become an issue, right? You're going to have too many of them and you're not going to be able to export them. So in a nutshell, I think that the really broken down step-by-step, step, you got to realize how much you're inputting into the tank as far as food. 
you want to really regulate that. You want to really stay on top of it. Um, if you guys want to do bi-daily feedings like every other day, you should be fine as long as you have no antheus or no fish that need to eat on a regular basis because their metabolism. Uh, but generally speaking, clownfish, you know, they can get away with every other day. Um, but, you know, the easiest way to export these nutrients is going to be water changes. So if you already got a weekly to bi-weekly regimen for water changes, great. Keep that up. Um, that's a great way to do it. But honestly, my recommendation, even if you are doing water changes, I highly recommend you run just a little bit of GFO in the tank, just a little bit, just to help out, to keep everything at bay. And I know a lot of you listening, you probably don't have space for a reactor. Uh, reactors do take up space, you know, either space for the pump or hang it on the back or whatever the case is. Um, if you don't have one, at the very least, run media GFO in a back, in a high flow area. Uh, I don't care if you use BRS, Rolofaz. Um, one probably I recommend because it's so simple to do. Um, and it comes with carbon already in the little baggies is going to be ChemiPure. ChemiPure is very good if you do any reading whatsoever you're going to read. It's very effective. The problem with uh, Roafaz and GFO, the, although they will work in a media bag, they're really designed to work in reactors, to be tumbling. So although they will work, they're a lot more effective in reactors. And that's kind of why I'm pointing you in the direction of ChemiPure, because ChemiPure has been specifically designed uh, to work in these little baggies. Uh, these pre-measured baggies, so you don't even need to worry about measuring. They make it so, so simple. Um, and of course, if you're someone that has either a bigger all-in-one or a bigger aquarium, a reactor with GFO, Roafaz, if you got the money for it, if not, the BRSF is great at the very least because this is what's really going to target your nutrients to run as close as they can to zero. Now, remember that magic number, guys. 0.03 to 0.09 is where you want to be. If you ask me personally, I'm going to re recommend you test your water for phosphates because it, it, it's not a good idea to do something that you're not testing for in a reef aquarium. So for testing, there's a few test kits out there. The one I'm going to recommend, the easiest and the, probably the more reliable one, is going to be a HANA checker. Make sure you get the phosphorus one, not the phosphate, the phosphorus, because the phosphorus is uh, better calibrated to measure closer to zero than the phosphate one. So... Uh, Hannah does make a few ones. If you look at my recent video on my YouTube, you're going to find on eSleep Reef channel, you're going to find that I have actually a few videos on nutrients, algae outbreaks, um, also going to have a few videos on that Hannah tester. And I know a lot of you people listening to this podcast, you're probably saying, well, what do you recommend for me that I have a hair algae issue? I'm going to have to save an episode just for that because I actually have the perfect remedy for you. Um, I have, a, I wouldn't say a guaranteed method, but trust me, I'm going to say a guaranteed method because a lot of people have tried this method and send me messages saying it worked for them. And I'm just so happy that I was able to contribute to that success of getting rid of hair algae. So if currently you can't wait and you're dealing with hair algae at the moment, I'm going to recommend you to go over to YouTube check out my channel, Eat Sleep Reef. Make sure you subscribe so you always stay up to date because in the future, I'm going to be referring to a lot of my episodes to my videos, but there's actually a video on how to get rid of green hair algae. This is almost a guaranteed method. I've had a lot of people use it and tell me the same results I got. So it's not just something I did in my tank and I got lucky. Uh, so if you are dealing with that, be sure to head over. Um, but yeah, guys, we're not going to have this podcast too long. I just wanted to quickly cover... Uh, nutrient import, nutrient export in a nutshell, but also digging a little bit beneath the surface. 
If you guys liked it, let me know. If you guys maybe later want me to go into more detail, be sure to head over to thereeftalk.com, fill out the contact form, send me an email, let me know what you thought. Let me know what you like to hear in future episodes. I will tell you guys, for next week, we're going to have a guest speaker, uh, actually from a company. We're going to have our first company on The Reef Talk, and um, I think you guys are going to love it. It's going to be a lot of value to new reefers, old reefers, uh, pretty much anyone um, here in the hobby with us. So I highly urge you guys to stay tuned for that. Be sure you're, you subscribe uh, to iTunes so you get an update every anytime a new uh, podcast comes up. If you're an Android user, I what's it called? Google Google Podcast if you're an Android user. And of course, if you have neither of these, you can always just head to thereeftalk.com and you're going to see the latest episode if you scroll down on the, on the uh, homepage. So we're going to leave this uh, podcast here, everyone. I really hope... Uh, you guys enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed uh, sharing kind of my experiences and my ways of thinking for nutrient import and export. Remember, guys, don't overfeed. Keep those exports in check. As always, thanks for listening. Happy reefing.